everybody kind of showed that, like, man, y'all really showed Zay's personality. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. Anybody get a Super Bowl? I hope, man. Nah, they gonna get beat. The Texans are gonna beat the Ravens this week. Gotta just say. I'll take I'm that bet. Well, bet. Money line. <laughs> so you said, so nah, you gonna give me so Freddie said we money no, line? No, no, no. no. You, what did he just say? say? You said, you said I mean, the Ravens are not going you, to get it. If I didn't know want to say money line, can I get No, but no, you, you I said, can I bet Freddie You can bet 2000 I don't want points. The Ravens points. are about to beat the Texans. Because the Ravens, I mean, the Texans are going to win. Right, but I want, though, just like the book, why am I going to bet this motherfucker when I can go bet with DraftKings and get plus 275? I ain't got no vig. Huh? I ain't got no vig. No vig. No vig. I ain't. I Give me minus one ten. Give me the I juice. I will bet you whatever you want that the Ravens whoop the Texans ass. But you can't pay me even money. If I'm betting with that's the, the way bets. That's, what that's the way homeboys bet. You stay work. out of it. Why? You right? <laughs> no, you pay. Fred T. Yeah, I'm with you when you right. I'm gonna say my ass over here. You see, you see how he starts shuffling? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. That's a there's great Draymond no moment. Just stay out of it. Oh gee, Fred. There's no chance that the Houston. Texans beat the Ravens just like at you home. thought at home with two weeks. You off. thought the Dolphins were going to do some shit this year. We thought there wasn't a chance that the Jags would miss the playoffs at eight and three. Say something. It's always a chance. It's any given I'll Sunday. Take, don't, it's don't, bet, don't don't give I'll nobody else NFL, that money. Brother. Don't give nobody else that money. The Texans. Fred, don't give the, nobody else that money. Give me that money. The Texans defense is playing lights out. I know CJ. They're hot. Love All right, CJ think about it this I way. I love CJ Stroud. Do think we have about a it bet? This way. I want to know. Do we have do a we bet? Because I what love CJ Stroud. We ain't got no bet. What you saying, D'Amico Ryan? I love him. Alabama, they, them, they were friends. Alabama. The Ravens are about to whoop their ass. Make it five hundred light. What does that mean? Five hundred dollars, bro. Just light. Mm. Got light. Word is traveling the pivot, doing it all these. Podcast shows. Wait, wait, we got to have five hundred dollars laying around somewhere. Just give me my money now. You might as well give my money now. Hold up, limitless. They can see me capping in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. No one me, I got the key. Only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. They can see me capping in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Hey, you suck. Let's go. Yes, sir. Welcome to the freaking playoffs. This is the pivot. Happy Friday, boys. What's up? Um, it's good to be with you guys again. Uh, this is for those of you who don't know, which I'm sure you do, which is why you're here. This is Channing. This is Fred. I'm RC. Welcome to the pivot. It's been a good week. Can know? I acknowledge something? I just want to acknowledge this, right? Because I see I read all the comments, bro. They say you are the OG. Goat hoodie man. They say you got the dopest hoodies, bro. <laughs> I gotta agree with the people. That's because Can we get the source? That everybody wants the source. Well, they I get them from everywhere. Uh, I I will basically buy a hoodie from whoever makes a good hoodie. Um a lot of them I just get on Instagram because Instagram has noticed that I'm an easy target. <laughs> so they just pop up a sponsored <laughs> hoodie spot and I say, hey, I'll go here and buy it. And then what happens is people see the hoodies and different hoodie companies send them to me and mm. I wear them and I shout them out. And so if you have a dope hoodie company and you want me to wear your hoodie on the pivot, contact me, DM me, and I'll wear it. Back to the, the week, man, you know, I don't think people understand how difficult podcasting is. I know Freddie T takes calls all the time, you as well, Channing, and it's always, you know, 
how do you get your podcast to pop? How does it become popular? How does it become successful? And Chan, you've said it from the beginning, it's about the people, mm-hmm. right? I think with us, obviously it starts with Alicia and then you know us three, all the people behind the cameras who travel around with us and, and help us do the job. But I think the most important part of what we do, especially when we're interviewing is our guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you never know how it's going to go. Des Bryant was our guest this week and he was just magnificent. You know, um, I think he was open and he was vulnerable, he was funny. But the thing that so many people are talking about his show for is when he read the, the poem or the piece about generational curses. And if you listen throughout the show, when he talks about the things he went through with his father and his stepmother, the things he went through with his mother and how he is actively trying to break those curses for his children because he didn't get that in his life. In the moment, you can't, you don't ever really know how things are going to resonate uh, in either one of you and watching the way people have received it. What do you think about that? It reminded me of the, uh, Jonathan Owens and Simone uh, Biles uh, episode a little bit only because that clip is traveled so much and it's not it didn't go in depth much like what you just mentioned there because it kind of stemmed from him or Des explaining where how he came up you know his 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 challenges coming up in a household where he said his mother grandmother you know they they sold drugs and all those different things and then we sort of I kind of presented him with the question of how do you stop that from happening how do you get your children uh to uh not have to go down those same paths for lack of a better thought I think Des you know it reminded me of 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 the Michael Beasley episode and what the pivot really is just raw uncut very transparent and really just vulnerable I thought Des Des did an amazing job of uh, just giving of, of himself. And for everyone out there that might see this, I want you guys to just take a moment to really just go and view the entire episode if, you, if you've if you only seen that clip. It was just a beautiful episode, just Des opening up and uh, allowing you guys to come and see him outside of just being uh, a football player. But, but the man, the son, you know, the friend, the brother, for me, RC, it was just, it was what I love about being on this podcast. It made me think about Pow Pow. Y'all know what Pow Pow is? Pow Pow is what a spanking is to my kids now. We've talked about it before, actually. I would say it's over a year ago, but like spanking your kids because I got spanked. You know what I'm saying? You get spanked, you you act up, you get popped. You get you get hit. And I even have little Chaz at three and he knows what Pow Pow is. So even when it's like, I'm time to go to bed, I don't want to go to bed. And I'm like, okay, well, you can get a pow pow. But he was saying that 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 curse, the generational curse, because I got I got spanked. You can't say beatings anymore and all that stuff. Like, there's an extreme to hitting the kid, but there is physical Dis- repercussions right. if you do it. And it really made me think about that because a lot of people say it, and you know, my dad, my mom, different people be at the house and they be like, You still spank your kids? Yes. Yes. I still spank my kids. I don't beat them. It's not, it's not aggressive, but that's what I'm saying. So pow, so the Crowder pow pow, 
it really made me think about that when Dez was talking about that. And that was the thing that came up and I never thought it would come up. And that's a good thing. Like, like Fred was saying about the show where it made me think about that. Like, you know, we, we, you can, you can reprimand in different ways than spanking, but if your ass ain't going to bed, I'm still gonna put the hand to you. And that's why I mentioned the um, Simone and, and Jonathan clip because people just allowed it to be right there at surface level. You know, I think if some people saw this clip with Des, a lot of people thought it was beautiful, but then you also have people that said, nah, I'm gonna discipline, discipline my kids differently. I'm gonna put that belt on their ass. Like, how do you get your kids from saying no, you know, and, and being disruptive? So that clip, it did remind me of that too, Chan. Like, it wasn't a, a, a clip where he was saying, you know, be soft to your kids, but take time. You know, take time, be a parent, learn how to understand. But he also finished it off when he said, listen, listen to your children more so than doing those other things that he said he did in that piece. So I just thought it was beautiful altogether. The biggest part about that is experience provides perspective, right? And Dez's experience was, was that he didn't get those things as a child. And his perspective was he didn't want to be that way. And so that story or whatever you want to call it, that paragraph is something he uses to remind himself of who he wants to be. And I don't necessarily know if you have to read those things or live those things to the letter of the law, right? There is going to be a time where your children may do something where there is a conversation that may needs to be had before they go to bed. And if they have to go to bed with that on their mind, the thing you want them to do is go to bed with that on their mind because you can't live a certain way and be successful, which is our jobs. Right. Our jobs ultimately in the end as parents is to help create and support successful adults. Right. Adults that in some way add value to the world and other people's lives. That's our job. Right. To not raise freaking degenerates. Yes. That's our job. And whatever it takes to get there in the context of loving your children, that's what you do. I think the listening part is huge as well. Because as parents, because we love them so much and we feel like we have more wisdom and having that wisdom, you attempt to impart that wisdom before hearing what they're going through. And uh, for me, man, you know, just with going through different things in life, uh, I got a text from Jordan and Logan this weekend and Logan wanted to have a conversation with me and to not go too in depth into the conversation for the first 15 minutes, I just sat. And I listened. And then when I felt like parts of those conversations, she got to be a little bit womanish. I said, hey, look, I'm still your daddy and you're gonna respect me. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm listening to you doesn't mean you can take advantage of that and speak to me like I'm one as your parents used to say one of your little friends, right? <laughs> but as you continue to have those conversations, man, like you realize that it's not only about what you say to your children, it's about what you do. Right. Like your children are watching, your children are learning, your children are listening. And because you are saying that they need to be one way, they're also viewing the way that you are. And that is part of their tutelage, too. And it's about how you treat other people. Right. Because we all and I've been around you. You guys love your kids like we all love on our babies. Right. And. I don't, I can't necessarily say decisions you make for your babies that come from a place of love are wrong. 
because there's no rule book to it. There's no handbook. They don't teach you how to do it. And I think for Dez, his handbook would have been the way that he was raised. And he wants to make sure that he doesn't do things that way. But my question to y'all would be, what is the measure of right and wrong? It's funny you say that because with Dez, it was running away from what he saw was wrong. That's not what you're supposed to do with a kid. That's not what, how you're supposed to treat a kid. That's not how you're supposed to treat people. But it's something you just said, RC. It's where, and I know y'all, and it's random stuff, bro. I bring it up, like at the airport. TSA, when y'all give y'all phones and y'all beep y'all phones and they get back to y'all, y'all say, thank you. Appreciate you, ma'am. Have a nice day. And stuff like that, where it's not what you're, what you're doing bad, it's what you're doing right. And that's the thing that I think people don't take into account. Kids are watching you. Every time you move, every time you walk around with your kids, they're watching how you treat people. They're watching how you respond to people. They're watching how you interact with people. I think a lot of people don't think about that. Well, y'all are very respectful and y'all are good men and I love y'all to death. Yeah, hell, everybody knows from years of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the part that people don't take into account that they have to fix the kid. But randomly on a Tuesday morning when you go to goddamn Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee and they see that person give you the coffee, a random, I fuck with you about this word earlier, a barista. barista. Nigga, you two goddamn black. That's what barista. they are. That's the like, actual nobody name. Nobody says barista. That is. That's like, that's like <laughs> when people say things like penis and vagina, and people think that those words are weird, but those are the words that they have given us in uh -huh. order to describe uh, and name those body parts. So your His barista, no matter, yeah. I don't care if he is six-fold black man, what he is, a barista? He's a barista. Right? My freaking <laughs> barista burnt my beans. That's what he was saying. He be talking about barista. My freaking. But I, I <laughs> y'all dumb as hell. But to that point, a barista, that's just giving you a coffee. You'll never see that person again in your life. And when the kids see you, that person give you a coffee and you say, thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. Like, that's why I think you build a kid's character. That's why I think you build a kid what they're going to be and how they're going to grow up other than just reprimanding. It's, it's telling them when they're doing wrong. I think a lot of people don't show their kids how to do right. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. Yeah, I agree with you on that too, Channing. I think it's just really been a just an open-minded, you know, human being or just an open-minded parent, like taking the time to think and understanding what the, um, you know, repercussions of your uh, decisions and actions, how would that affect your child? I saw something Nick Saban posted the other day talking about when his players would do something, you know, uh, people would turn, people would turn and want him to, you know, suspend the players you know, or kick him off the team, kick him out of school. But he, he talked about the story of... Uh, Musi Muhammad. Correct. Yeah, Moose. Moose. He had a 15-year career. He had an opportunity where that people wanted him to kick him out of school. But he ended up sticking with him. And uh, he made him run and put him through all that uh, punishment stuff. And eventually, long term, long story short, he ended up being a success story. He owns companies and part of big businesses. And really, the measure of right or wrong is how your heart feels about that particular individual. If you're a parent, how do you try to get the best out of your 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 um, your son or daughter, right? And just doing those necessary things, but also thinking long term. Uh, we want to sometimes want to pow pow their asses, but you have to take a lot of emotions out and say sometimes decompress. 
and then come back and approach. So everybody has different parenting skills. I think if you take the time and think first rather than react, uh, come up with certain um, tactics. Like don't don't discipline with your hand. Maybe get you know something so the child can understand the difference between discipline and abuse. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a lot of different skills you can develop. But um, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's gonna be different. Um, but I think just just taking your time, being open minded, thinking before you react with, with a child, feeding life into them. Dad said that. I think that's important. I mean, it's like anything else in the world, though, right? It's like. The stuff that felt good or bad to us is things we learned to do or to not do, right? The things that hurt or helped us are the things that we learned to do or to not do, you know? It's like, I didn't, I never, when I got spanked as a child, I never looked at my parents and hated them, or I never looked at my parents as if they were trying to hurt me. Like, I hated it, you know what I mean? I hated getting spanked, but I was like, I get it. I did some effed up stuff. They had to discipline me. Now I know if I do this again, this is the consequence, right? And sometimes I knew they resorted to that because they had told me a million times to not do that. And so to my parents, obviously, this little dodo ain't getting it. So here's how we're going to teach him to get it. It wasn't about the amount of pain they could inflict on me. It was knowing that my parents would do absolutely anything in the world for me, right? And the last thing that they would ever want for me is to hurt that I've done something that they feel is getting so far out of the way of allowing me to grow up as a productive human that they had to hurt me themselves. Right? Like to me, that's what the, that's what the love does. Right? It's not that it's not it's like you say, take the emotion out of it. I don't know how to take motion emotion out of making decisions for my children. I it's redirecting. Yeah, yeah, because I redirecting your course and what you what we yeah. want you to do and whatever yeah. it takes to I'm do the, it. I'm the dummy. I'm gonna be honest with y'all, bro. I am the dummy that says out loud and my kids know it and I think they take advantage of it sometimes. There is nothing they can do that's gonna make me stop loving them. Right. Zero. And and unfortunately for me sometimes, it also means to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you got disrespectful. Don't change the fact that I've loved you since I knew you. Still love. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the that's the the hardest part about trying to do the right thing and trying to take emotion out of it. It is that it is actually the most emotional thing in the world because apart from anything else that we ever get to do, we ever accomplish, we ever acquire, these are the things that like are the most us than anything else in the world. Right. And like I see you see yourself and all of them in different ways. And then they're all different. Right. Which would, would work for one of the little dummies. Don't work for the second little dummy. Right. And then Talk, by the time I got to the, that. then by the time yeah. I got to the third little dummy, I was so tired. I wasn't even trying. <laughs> like I was like, you know what? You're right. If you want that, let's just buy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like you just you just go through this stuff. And... That's kind of what Dez was talking about with the, the generational curses. Every everything's not a generational curse. Nope. Everything's not. So if you know that this happened, like Dez was talking about, that he didn't eat for days. That's an evil human. That's no. It's no a... matter what your kid's doing, you gotta yeah. feed. You know what I'm saying? Like that's an evil human. As a grown man, a grown woman, think about that when you're disciplining your kids or when you're raising kids, like whatever you saw, you can see what's doing it. 
I might give y'all two motherfucking power power, especially you talking about you can't spank them. I'm gonna power power your ass here in a second, friend. Hey. But <laughs> hey, you're only as cool as you treat people. And that's gonna be listen, like listen, listen, listen. <laughs> always we, fits. We gonna roll around on this goddamn floor when I power power your ass here in a second. <laughs> but you <laughs> sound like you wanna power power me. Hey guys, hey guys. Hey yo, I'm saying. Hey. Pause. You got it. We're gonna roll around on the floor the when pow, I pow pow why your ASS. Why y'all gotta make everything sexual? That's what you be talking about, man. I, don't be I talking ain't got about time no for sex that. Friend. Everybody knew pow pow was a spanking. Hey, speaking of pow pows, you know who got a pow pow? Dad's former team. Uh oh. Ooh. Ooh. Here's what's funny about it. We had to cut like ten minutes out of the episode, right? Because we shot it last. We shot it last week. We put it out on Tuesday. We did a whole thing on the Cowboys winning, how great the quarterback had played, mm. the fact that he had the Ravens in the AFC. Who do we pick out of Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott? Who would win the Super Bowl? And he was great on it, like NFL analyst, great on it. Locked and chop that. But we get here to say, do you feel vindicated? in your thoughts that Dak Prescott could not win a Super Bowl. He's never going to. He's not going to. He's not made that way. There's certain people. Dak is never going to carry a team to the Super Bowl. And that was the point I was making. We've seen 12 win seasons out of Dak. We've last seen that. 36 wins. They have the most regular season wins in the last three years. You're going to get to the playoffs and you're going to put up 7, 19, 12 points. And I think that's what they put up over the last three years and they're not going to do it offensively. Overall, and I, I see a lot of people talking about the, the Dallas Cowboys franchise, where what Jerry Jones has to do, a lot of people jumped on that. Could Bill Belichick be there? I don't think Mike McCarthy's the guy. I don't know how y'all feel about that. But what's the answer to Dallas? I do not think Dak is the answer to Dallas, and that's why I got so much criticism three, four months ago, and you saw it. Dak is not that person that's going to take a team to the Super Bowl. I really feel that way. I honestly hope Dak proves me wrong, but I would bet money he doesn't. Fred? Hey, you remember uh, when we so had to call HR to tell HR about HR for making certain comments? It seems like you were right, but never is a strong word. It, 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 I put never in the hate category. I don't like to say I hate, and I don't like to really say never. You know, Dak did prove you. You know right. what I hate? Wait, wait, wait. The fact that the Dallas Cowboys never play in the playoffs like they play in the regular season. That that is so Don't true. Don't say now, because Fred's gonna get mad at. But not never, because you you got to go back to the '90s. So of recent years, maybe you can say that. But never. That's that's still not accurate, and it's not true. We can actually go and find research that will make that comment in. Are you talking about when they were beating Jim Kelly? I'm talking about. Fair, you talking said about never. Jim Kelly? That never fall, falls into that window. Yes, I don't. Oh, that's Jim Kelly's 40, 172. Who, who, who cares? Never Fred. is never, right or Fred. wrong? Oh, I'm just trying Fred, to prove that America's team. Fred, you are, you are correct. That's it's not I mean. like if we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars saying they've never won a Super Bowl. Well, you are correct about that. There you go. And they have not been around as long as let's say the Pittsburgh Steelers or even the fucking garbage ass Miami Dolphins. Now you'll get mad at I'm me just, about the Dolphins. No, now you'll get mad at me. Sensitive. You'll be mad at me. I'm talking y'all talking about my team. I got to defend my guys. I'm going to call Larry Zonka. The, the bottom whoop fell your ass. out. How about Larry Zonka whoop your ass? The bottom fell out, but let me make my point. Until Dak can show me otherwise or the Cowboys can show me otherwise, I got to feel kind of like y'all feel. 
And that's so strong for me, man, because I root for Dak. You know, I, I don't really care about the Cowboys winning it, but I root for Dak because I'm more of an optimistic person and I, I love an underdog story. And I want Dak to go out there and prove people wrong. And he had hit a stride where we thought, okay, this was it. So my expectations for Dallas were, was different than previous years because we saw Dak doing things that he hadn't done in previous years, even in the regular season. And then we get to the postseason, and it's the same Cowboys. It was the same Dak, and it's tough to really kind of fight for that. But I ain't going to say never. That's my take. That's my point. Yeah, I'm think, never going to say I don't think when it comes to Dak and the Cowboys, you could say never, but you can definitely say more than likely in the sense that more than likely this is what you're going to get because this has been our experience. Um, you go back to uh, Dak's rookie year, obviously a team that wins 13 games. You know, you fall flat then. 2019, his numbers were better than this year. 2021, I believe his numbers were better, again, uh, better than this year as well. Here is my thought on Dak because I, like you, Fred, root for him, right? I've, and many times, gone to bat for the person through the sorts of adversities Dak has gone through with his mother, the sorts of adversities losing a brother and continuing to push through that and be the humanitarian, the human that he is. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dak Prescott, the football player, will never trick me again. I let him fool me throughout the regular season and I said he was different because I felt it was the leadership. I watched him change who he was both publicly and on the field after the San Francisco 49ers game, the way that he addressed the media, the way that he took accountability for his team. Those are the things you want from a leader. Those are the things you want from a captain. And I think the other thing Dak did was fool himself. I you say that? Yeah. See, what happened to us in Pittsburgh was, just to get off the subject for a second, we stopped enjoying the little things because we were champions. We had experienced so much success. And Coach Tomlin would put plays on, 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 on film on Wednesday and Debo would make a great play. Troy would make a great, a great play. Kiesel, me, Ike, whoever it was, and we wouldn't celebrate because it got so routine. And for us, the North Star was always the Super Bowl. So it was hard to enjoy the moments that led up to it because those were expected. Mm -hmm. See, for Dak and the Cowboys, those aren't expected because, Dak, this is new for you, mm -hmm. right? You haven't played in a way where people actually believe. And so, to me, it started to border on the line of arrogance, entitlement. You win the NFC East, the reporter asks you, where's the, the hat? And you're like, I'm thinking about bigger things. I want bigger things. We all do, right? But it's, nah, you earn that, and you can wear the hat, 
and it should be applauded that other people are wearing a hat. It should be noted that you guys have had this accomplishment because without this accomplishment, it's hard to get the next accomplishment, right? It's hard to get that stair step. And I feel like he put himself there. He put the team there. They got the feeling of being there before they were there because they've never been there. And when I hear Jerry Jones say, I'm amazed that we're here, it tells me that all throughout that building, they felt like losing was an impossibility, which we all know when you start to feel like losing is an impossibility and you aren't preparing in a way where you're expected to get punched in the mouth. See, it's a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Think about if me and you squaring up, I know we got an issue, I know we got beef, right? And you punch me. I'm expecting that. I'm waiting on it. I'm ready for a reaction. I'm ready to block it. I'm ready to move. If I'm just walking down the street and I think we cool, and for some reason you got beef with me and you haul off and steal on me, it affects me in an entirely different way. Yeah. It was like they got stolen. It was like nobody told them it was a fight because they, to them- they grabbed their pearls. <gasps> right. You know, and like they never rebounded. And so now, like, how do you ever believe in them again? I, I There's nothing I won't analyze Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys again during his tenure through the first 18 weeks of the season. I don't care what they do. They could win all 17. 17 and one. They could win all 17 games. 16 and one, whatever it is. Yep. Some dudes think they can do it, and some dudes can't. Do whatever you want. Some people can't create an orgasm. I told you it goes back to sex with you, bro. Some people can't create an orgasm. <sighs> You can lead up, you can dance around, you can do whatever, put on whatever clothes you want to, wear all the stuff, crazy stuff, put on outfit, and everything's leading up, and you're doing good. You're seven and one, you eight and six, whatever it is, ten and two. And then you, you have to flat. create that orgasm. Orgasm? Orgasm. <laughs> pow, pow. And you can't do <laughs> it. Hey, it's like, hey, it's like, hey, it's no, what it is. It's like when you get to that, don't stop right there, but you've been there already, and, and you, you gotta stop. Like <laughs> you know what? Is that Has anybody ever heard somebody say deeper? <laughs> and you got your whole pelvis inside. <laughs> I ain't got no more. I ain't got nothing left. Why can I go any further? <laughs> like, you're confused. Hey, hey, yeah, hey, deeper, hey, deeper. Hey, it's over for me. I ain't even got that. nothing left. I have a baby. That's what the cowboys are. When you're doing your best, the Cowboys deep, they and you say deeper. They're not gonna go deeper. That's that that they can't get the playoff coochie. They in regular season coochie. Here we go. <laughs> the play, the Cowboys hey, can tell regular hey, season. Oh, the boys, the boys say, "Here we go." Never saw this so sad. They say it sounded like, "Here we go." <laughs> I think though, it just it kind of just goes to the point that man, like sometimes. Sometimes it ain't for you, you know? And the the other difficult part is, right? Dak's a lot better than some of the quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. He's better than some of the quarterbacks that in the playoffs. You know? And when you look at that, it's almost you almost like, ah, that's sad. But let's really think about at least the playoffs we saw this weekend. If we're taking one weekend, you go. Is Dak Prescott better than Jordan Love? No. Is Dak Prescott better than Matthew Stafford, who went for 365 in the loss back at back in Detroit? No. Is he better than Jared Goff this weekend? 
No. Is he better than C.J. Stroud this weekend? Is he the best quarterback in Texas? Is he better than Patrick Mahomes this weekend? Right? He's better than Tua. Better you know Tua. what I mean? Is he, but is he better than Baker Mayfield? Not this weekend. And so I think, like, when you, when you look at that, the bottom line is this, man. We are all judged when it comes to maybe in life and maybe in football, and in football for sure, we are all judged on who we are in the biggest moments. Who we are on the daily is what makes the people around us love us. Who we are in the biggest moments is what makes people on the outside respect us, right? Like when you walk into a game with Dak Prescott for three and a half quarters, he might tell your tail up. I'm not gonna lie. When it gets to the end, what you gonna look at your team and say, hey, he gonna make a mistake. Hey, he gonna give us a chance. And to me, like that's the that's a tough position but to be in. I would say it's something with us, well, with you, RC, that took that to the next level was the DeMar Hamlin situation. When that happened, there is not a lot of people that could sit up there that Monday night and present to the world how you presented to the world. And I think that took Ryan Clark, the RC we know, 100%. to a different level. People could not deal with, people did not know. I'm sitting at home, we told the story, I'm sitting at home with my son and my son's asking me questions. I can't answer to a 12 year old boy and you answer to the world. And that's why I'm saying that like the spotlight being on you and to perform and to do it, that's what the greats do. And I would think amongst us, that was something when you were talking that I thought about like that moment was something that show out and you, you, and you showed out. It's about everything that leads up to the moment though. It's about those experiences because it's, I, t- I try to tell, I try to explain this to people about playing in the stadium and I don't think people like, actually get it, right? Before, before the snap of a football, right? Like I personally, I'd go deaf, right? And so if the ball is about to be snapped, the rest of like the stands, the coaches, all that first goes quiet for me, right? And then after it goes quiet, it gets black, right? And so now for me, all I see is the 21 other people in pads, you know, like that's what you start focusing on. And then they become the only thing I can hear. So I can hear the quarterback. I can hear Troy or Ike or Potsy, you know what I'm saying? Down left, down left, right? You know, combo, 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 like all that happens. And then once it's snapped, like everything slows down. Because if it's going too fast for me, right? That means I'm not prepared, but I'm prepared, right? And so like the stuff is moving or if we comboing the tight end in the back and now the tight end goes naked across the back, now pot dog, pot dog, pot dog. And as soon as that happened, I get right to the back, right? Or they throw the football in. I know I got to be inside out. Ike's forcing. I go inside out. I make the tackle. And then as soon as I hit the ground, everything turns back on, right? That is what, and I'm not talking about like being great in that sense, but that is what the greats do. Like Tom Brady, Tom Brady knows that there's 20 seconds on the clock, 
But 20 seconds on the clock is not affecting Tom Brady. He's not living by that clock. He's living by what I had to accomplish in that moment. What happens to the other people is when they walk into the stadium, they walk into the stadium like this is a playoff game. Right. So walking into the stadium like I have been preparing for this for the last 18 weeks. This is just another game. And I think those things make it difficult. Like you say, which I get right. And I appreciate, you know, both of y'all because you always say very kind things about me. Like you were like I was presenting to the world, but really I was just talking to Scott. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in that moment, it was, well, who else? had played a football game and almost lost his life playing that game. Not many people, you know what I'm saying? Who had to recover from that and find a way to play again? Not many people, right? Who was actually in the hospital or who had actually said their final prayer, at least that they thought, that then was told, well, you might be able to play again. Do you still want to try that said yes. And so to me, it was like, I just got to tell that story. The problem with Dak is when it's time to tell his story to the world, he sees the entire world mm-hmm. instead of finishing the story. And that's like, that's it. Like when you win a Super Bowl, you just told a story. You know what I'm saying? You can't worry about everybody else until you, until you write the book. And I think Right now, if you look at his book, the mother effort, you know how you watch a movie and that whole start off hot and then it don't have no climax? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for for, for like for your analogy, for your analogy, it'll be got she got you right, but she, she Yeah, ain't nobody nothing. <laughs> that ain't gonna make nobody nothing. <laughs> we just all stroking. We, ah, damn, it's 7 30 in the morning. Bitch, I gotta go to work. <laughs> It's uh, bro. You had a lot of good points, RC, man. Yeah. I'm just over here as if I had never heard it before. And I'm over here and um, just admiring those thoughts, you know, before the play snap and really just that moment, like this conversation makes me realize how much I missed the game. Mm. And I don't have a lot of those moments. Mm. But understanding that the greatness is, it's internal. Like you said, Tom Brady not looking at the clock. It's all inside. Everything's inside because that's how well he's prepared. And even those moments when that when that play, that ball snap, everything does go silent. You know, all of the, at least the external factors go silent. And what I recall or remember most is all I would hear is big guys grunting or me telling myself, you, you know, that's it. You know, just those quick thoughts, me talking to myself within those four seconds. Then after that four seconds, five seconds is up, it's ah, and all of this. You can kind of gauge or know how the play was and this and that, according to the, the fan, man. So I appreciate that, that, that trip down memory lane because I don't go there often for a lot of reasons because I don't want to go or yeah. fall into depression. And yeah. so I just kind of blow it off like, but I definitely miss the game, man. It's crazy. And quickly, some both of y'all brought, y'all brought a braiding. People ask me all the time, what's different about Brady? Brady had the strongest arm. Brady couldn't make every throw and all that. But one thing I remember about Brady when people ask me about him was I remember, I would say, no matter where the game is, no matter what the the score is, he looked like visually, because you think about I'm a linebacker. I'm standing this this close to Brady on some plays. He looked like he was in the backyard throwing ball with his kids. He did, bro. I remember the year with him and Moss. 
What was that? Oh, what, what was him oh, and Moss? Seven. Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. With him and Moss. I remember with him and Moss where he looked out and smiled at Moss because he saw it was cover one. And Moss hit her ass that year. Moss hit us for three, I think, in Miami. And I remember him. And I'm sitting like you saying, we thinking about strong left, hey, tight left, hey, half, half, half. I'm trying to tilt the nose guards to the fullback, and I'm just doing all that. I'm yelling at the safety, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm panicking. And I look across and look Brady in the eyes, and he looks at one, looks at Brady, um, looks at Randy Moss, and he smiles, and they do a little sign, I got you. And he just sit back there cool and just kick it, just kick his leg. And it was so calm. That shit is scary to play a you motherfucker like that. You know why? I, I can go a few places with this, but my two years there for my cup of coffee, man, just sharing the, the meeting rooms, the practice field, the, the locker room. He did everything in preparation for the game, but he prepared for the game or for practice just like he prepared for game. He did everything the same. It was seamless. And uh, when you said he was over there just smiling because he already knew what was coming. There was nothing he didn't see in practice. And, you know, people talk about the Patriot way and Belichick and all this other stuff. You talk about two guys on the same page and communicating and just being overly prepared. It was those two. Yeah. So who do you credit the most? And being there in two years, who would you credit the most for the Patriot way working? Don't lie, right. Fred. No, don't, no, Fred, I, don't I'm gonna lie. Give, Belichick was great at, we went by 50. Fuck. I see 20 fucking errors right here. Mm -hmm. That ain't shit. Yeah, I should have won by 70. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and you have to have those constant reminders. The reminders that as soon as you walk in the building, uh, you're at work now. Mm -hmm. We're going to follow these four things when you come in the door. Shut the outside world off. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got, he has to get credit for that, right? Allowing you to remove all of the outside factors and you just focus on this right here. Tom was Tom. Tom was amazing. I can see this guy outside of my eye. He wants me to say something else, but I'm gonna read my thought. I think on the field, Tom drove, you know, he, he, was, he was a driver, he was the caboose, he was everything. But I think collectively, um, that was just a, a perfect marriage. You don't, you don't hear of those often. I don't think it was one of, well, the players gotta play, coaches gotta coach. But I think Tom learned a great deal from Bill and how to be a pro and how to go out and attack those moments as the pro as it needed to be. So without Bill uh, showing Tom how to come up and be a pro, I don't think Tom would be as great as he is. I don't. I, I don't. think think Tom can go to but, other places and but, still be a but, great fucking quarterback. But I think Bill Belichick having a young Tom Brady and showing him how to go up and be a pro and teach okay. him how to prepare. I think that that deserves something, man. That's just cute, Freddie. I love you to death, Freddie. That's just cute. So, uh, so Belichick can call out the twelve mistakes that they make, and y'all can do it. Brady leaves the Bucks, leaves the uh, Patriots, and go wins a Super Bowl with the Bucks. Belichick gets zappy and fucking Mac Jones and can't do a goddamn thing. Right. So that was the cog to answer your question, RC. Like. Is it proven right now Danny, the cog was Tom Danny Brady? Danny Amendola said this, and and I, I may I, misquote I it, but he said, we worked for Bill, but we played, but we for, played Tom. for Tom. Right. And he's he had that influence. I am saying the development of Tom Brady and the greatness wouldn't be exact or what we witnessed without him having uh, Coach Belichick 
in those early years yeah, to think, teach them I, how to be. I think I think what happens is it's like it's like anything else. You know, you find somebody with the foundation of something. Like Tom, obviously had this incredibly competitive competitive foundation. He had these tools that eventually, <laughs> if you were playing for Pittsburgh, became the the uses of evil. But you know, and then Belichick was able to cultivate those things and sort of create a mini Belichick in someone who was able to me, I think, to communicate and live in a way where the people in that building followed it. And so he was able to create a conduit of his message through the best player in the world at the time or through the greatest player we've ever seen. And I I do think that like that, there is a credit that belongs there. And if you look at it though, what's happened now is because he doesn't have a time at quarterback, they can stop everybody they can't score on anybody and so that's what's going to be interesting with this next spot does he have a quarterback because the x's and o's haven't passed bill belichick by the discipline of preparation haven't passed him by what it is is he's we have to maybe admit he's not great offensively but he had the greatest ever offensively and that helped him win i think that he got to give up the gm he is. Yeah, nobody's, nobody else going to let him do that. He cannot. Yeah, he's, he cannot. He's, a, he's not. He's, a, he's like you at Publix. He just walks around and talks to everybody. That's what I love. Lisa. Lisa gives me salmon. Yeah. She's nice. Yeah, so that's, that's ridiculous. Fellas, I mean, this is this is the time of year. You saw it last week. It was cold, right? That's playoff football. Our partners at DraftKings, they still the same, though. They don't change when the moment gets heated, right? They, they ain't doing what Dallas did. So any new customer that signs up right now for DraftKings, you place a $5 bet, you use the promo code DEFENSE, instantly $200 in bonus bets. And right now you get a no-sweat bet, bro. You get a bet. If that bet doesn't hit, you get a bonus bet on top of that. You know they're going to watch out for you. Hey, y'all know I love the same game parlays. You know I'm hitting on the overs. Same game, the receiving yards and all that, and you give yourself a chance to win even more bread. I love those same game parlays. Look. All you need is this device and just go and create your own account on DraftKings Sportsbook. And if it's not in your state, don't worry about it. We still got DraftKings Daily Fantasy. Give you an opportunity to get in the game. Pivot. Hey, use the promo code DEFENSE. Any new customer placing a $5 bet instantly gets $200 in bonus bets. This is the last week that Chan never played, but me and Freddie T made championships. (laughs) I ain't never been nowhere. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The last person who was very excited, and we will be finished in a second, about the Cowboys losing was Stephen A. But I'm also glad that he got an opportunity to be excited because, you know, uh, he was talking to, what's old boy? They called him the fat bitch. Yes. That's okay. That's, uh, That's what he called him. Yeah. I think at some point when a person continues to speak about you when it's actually not their job, that's personal. Mm-hmm. Right. If 
you are supposed to be analyzing sports, but you continue to analyze me, then you got a problem with me. Because yep. I don't play sports. And I think that's what had happened to Stephen A over and over again. Uh, and that has to be addressed. The other piece of it is too, like they used to have a, a relationship. And I don't want to call it a friendship because I don't know enough about it. But you got to think uh, for two African-American writers coming up in their day, that had to be a close-knit community, right? And you had to look out for each other. And when I heard him say, look, like, did you tell the world you betrayed me? Right? Like, that's a, that's a hell of a word. Judas is a betrayer. Yes. Right? You know, and so when you hear that, like, it made me feel it more because I was like, you know me, I was like, shoot, we, I don't like him anyway. I was like, we all got beef. <laughs> but when you, um, when you look at sort of like, I think the, the, the new medium has put us in a place to where people can speak about one another in that way or talk to each other or you're speaking on people who do the same job or who are peers and those things. I guess just like, what do you guys take from the way the interactions are now? Players shoot back at analysts, yeah. right? Analysts shoot back at players. Analysts shoot at analysts. Colleagues shoot at colleagues. Uh, why do you think that's become such a common theme now? Social media created it. Because you can say whatever you want at anybody and you don't have to deal with the consequences. And that's the thing with, um, with Whitlock. And the thing with Whitlock is different because everybody knows what side he chose. You can look where his platform is. You can look at the, it's, it's crazy to say, bro. I'm not even political. You can look at the color of this, this motherfucker's mic. Like, you saw his side, so he jumped on a frat and half of my arrests in Florida will fight frat boys. So you get you you get somebody that's gonna back you and you're gonna run, you're gonna run towards something, you know people are behind you, you're gonna run towards it. I honestly love it. I think it's vile, I think it's um controversial, but it's great because I hated the fact that I said when I played, I hated the fact when I played, there were people in Miami that could talk all kind of shit about me. Crowder can't cover a tight end, they writing all kind of shit. He can't cover, oh he plays a run, he can't cover. And I can't reach out and touch you as you talk shit about me every single Monday morning in the Miami Herald and all that. With social media now, with the, the voice that you can have, I wish I had a podcast when I played in 05. I'd have told all them bitches, bitches, y'all can't do shit either. Bitch, you had the same job for 19 years. You ain't doing shit. You ain't moving up. So I, lo I love the fact that now people can interact and you can, once you criticize somebody, or once you, you get on somebody, like with, I didn't even say with Fred, we talked recently with the dudes that was giving you nicknames and all that. Mm -hmm. Back when Freddie played, Freddie couldn't respond to motherfucker calling fragile Freddie. I don't think if, if somebody called Freddie a name, like I'm talking about a dude coming, hey, you can't cover it. Walk up and tell me that to, like, tell me to my face. I'm not even saying I'm gonna punch you in your face and we're gonna fight. Get but an now, opportunity want, to at least defend yourself. I want a debate platform. And I think that's what the new media is giving people a debate, a, a debate platform. That, okay, well, back this up. Show me stats if you want to show me. Show me your side of it. Because now you can just throw this damn article out there and you're getting paid to throw an article out there. I'm working every damn day to try to get better and try to work and try to grind and try to do that. But you can say whatever the hell you want about me. So the thing with Whitlock, Stephen A., anybody to argue, um, who's the white boy that wear the nice shoes and the little goofy-ass outfits? Skip. Skip and all the people he messed with. I want them to talk to each other because that's what life is supposed to be and not hide behind 
um, John four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, four in your goddamn parents' basement. I say it all the time. Yeah, I don't think social media created it. Yes, it did. I think social media exposed it. It allowed for it to uh, be amplified. It didn't create it. Um, think about newspapers. You know, good stories don't last. Negativity, that bullshit gonna travel much further and much longer and it's louder. Um, good stuff ain't, it doesn't always come across as quality. But you have some negative stuff. Why do you watch the news? You watch the news to see what, where's the drama? What, what's coming on? What, what can I see? What bullshit happened today? Uh, and, and, and as it relates to uh, Stephen A and journali journalism, I think people just taking advantage of those moments just because they can. So that's it, exposure. They can be loud because they can be loud. But social media did not create it. You had a, a, a situation where, um, for example, Most Def, mm -hmm. you know, he said uh, Drake wasn't hip hop. And he, he went back, he went further to say Drake sounded his, you can listen to him while you're shopping. Mm -hmm. So Drake kind of went back and said, well, no, I am hip hop. What it is is in this day and age, it's, it's certain views and certain, uh, I'll read this thing that he posted, but he went back and said, it's, it's the older guys who uh, are taking advantage of the moment. Uh, journalistic world cashing out on negativity and discouraging the youth from finding their way uh, more now than ever. The noise is all calculated. It's the truth. A lot of these people, Stephen A say, and, and, and I'm with Stephen A, but when Drake mentioned being calculated, he took his time, gathered his thoughts, and said, all right, this is what I'm pushing out there. Because I hear he went to his, 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 his preacher and some other family members. I don't know how true that part is, but this is what I'm hearing, right, or what I heard. Within that moment, if somebody ruffled my feathers and I had time to go and talk to all these people and I got to ask this, not necessarily permission, but I'm consulting RC, what you think about this? Chan, what you think about this? Now I'll go and think about it for a moment. I might defuse the whole entire fucking situation. We come across that plenty of times with old boy and how we were going to respond there. But then we have time where we said, all right, fuck it. That's being calculated. So I don't think social media, going back to you, Chan, I don't think social media created it. But it certainly exposed a lot of negativity that people travel with or just beefs and issues that people have. And journalism, it's just not long are the days of, of Stuart Scott having fun when you're out there talking about players and, and Boomer and all that stuff. People just get on and make their stupid, sometimes arrogant and ignorant takes and don't give a fuck about it. I think first of all, I want to say, like I, I hit Stephen there. I thought it was time for him to speak up for himself. Uh, I'm glad he did it, you know? I think it's not my place to say if your approach is right or wrong, your approach is your approach. And I think those things are built based on who you are. You know, you mentioned um, our situation, you know, and for the longest time, I never spoke on it because it wasn't necessarily my situation. Uh, it became my situation eventually, and, you know, we were able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think even in that, though, I wanted to talk about it in a in an energy that was more um, based in fact than an energy of emotion, right? Because that means if I approach it in a certain way or if my energy is at a certain level, that level of energy can be returned to me 
And if it's returned to me in the wrong way, I know how I want to address it. Every response or the responses start to get more disrespectful, right? And as the responses start to get more disrespectful, to me, it now reaches back to the core of the person. Back when I was talking about AB, like I held that junk for five years because it didn't pertain to football. And then when it pertained to football, I said it, he had an issue with it. So he sends the tweet out, whenever he sees me, it's on site. Now, you can send that tweet out to other people who may do my job or to people who have learned to do my job through the ranks of journalism, right? And they may not respond or they may laugh about it or they may try to use it for more fodder to continue to build a brand or to continue to create noise. I'm not built that way, right? Because I take that knowing who Antonio Brown is, and I've said it before, Antonio Brown ain't scared of me. Knowing who has Antonio Brown is, I take that as a fact that when he sees me, it's on site. We got to, we got to, right? So, so my thought was, hey, you got a private jet. You know where I live, right? Or we can go behind any random building, just get it done, shake hands and move on. And so I try to address people in the way that I think I'd receive it because I don't want to incite something that may put me in a position where I got to make a decision. And I think, like I've had to learn, right, at 44, finally, I need to be too mature to think I want to have physical altercations with people. I need to mature out of that, right? But because of that, I also feel that like, we can't talk to people in a certain way. Um, and I have like never addressed, like I, I got this old dude that hates me on uh, social media that DMs me all the time. He's like a 70 year old Steeler fan. Uh, he's a, a Wiley fan. Right. And so when I brought up the when I was talking about Brandon Marshall and not walking around people, I guess he did something on his show where he said at a Stuart Scott event with Michael Eaves, I walked around him. And for me, it was one. I've tried to I've asked for your number. I've asked for your address. I've asked for all these ways for us to be able to have like a real conversation about whatever issue it is that you may have with me or we may have with one another. You've denied all of those things and said that you are a verbal and social media sparrer. I'm not. I walk into Stuart Scott's event. It's for Michael Eaves, right? And so my first thought once I see him there is like, just ignore him. Don't talk to him. Doesn't matter because he's already told you that he is not about that sort of in-person confrontation. Right. So then we take a picture or whatever. He's behind me. He reaches his hand, reaches out to shake, shake my hand. And for me, I was like, OK, like this guy's reaching out to shake his hand. We don't have to have a conversation. I don't have to be fake. I'm going to respect Michael Eaves. I'm for sure going to respect Stuart Scott's legacy. I'm going to shake his hand and go on about my business. Right. But see, when you're losing, right? And someone else is winning, you got to use their name because nobody's going to listen to you unless you're talking about somebody that people care about. Mm. I see what you did there. Right? Mm. You see what I'm saying? And so now, right, I have to fight against myself because my thought is I want him to know that I will never walk around him again any days in my life because I try to respect other people and now you've disrespected me using it. And I think that has now become what the media is though, right? Let me be disrespectful in a way that I hope you have earned so much in your life or garnered so much in your life 
that you won't resort to things that'll take those things away. And I think for me, that's the hardest part is like, I rather we have the ability to just talk about the sport or talk about life and really enrich people in a way where they get to decide whether they like it or not. And now it's become, how do I use the next man who is accomplishing things that I'm no longer accomplished or I've never accomplished to build myself up? And I don't feel like we should be using other humans as stairs when we could all just be on an elevator. And I think that's the problem with who we've become in the new media. And I hope that we can start working to change that. Well said. I tell you, I love using the word spar. There's people that spar and there's people that fight. The fighters are who are ranked, who are coming up, who are progressing, who are getting the accolades, the acclaim. Those are fighters. The sparring people are just paid for a couple of days a week. That's what I say on that whole thing, and I love the way you put it because sparrers don't don't come up. Sparkers don't get sparrers don't get ranked. Before we go though, I do want to mention uh, a friend of the show, someone that's been really good to us, uh, Michael Strahan. Um, it was revealed uh, last week his daughter Isabella, one of his twins, uh, had to have a brain tumor removed. If anybody was paying attention, he wasn't on the morning show. He was taking some time away, uh, and I just want to say. Uh, to Michael, to his family. One, we're praying, you know, with you and for you. Uh, it was such a beautiful thing to see him alongside his daughter and to witness her strength. Uh, speaking with Robin Roberts, who has also been through, you know, those treatments and, and, and has fought cancer and has inspired so many. I just thought it was a, a beautiful moment to see strength, uh, to see perseverance, but also joy. You know, the, the smile on her face is, is one of those things that, that makes you sort of go, damn, what I'm around here pouting about. Yeah. You know, this is a young lady in college in what are, what are supposed to be like the, the, the most fun, vibrant times of her life, and, and she's fighting for it. And to have the strength to go before the world, you know, as you mentioned about certain things earlier, man, and show us and, and, and prove to herself that she's bigger than any ailment, you know? And since we had D1 on the show, man, I say this all the time, man, she don't look like what she's been through. Yeah. When you could tell or when you could see that smile on her face. So to Michael, man, and the family, uh, thank you for sharing her with us and giving us an opportunity to to see what love looks like, to see what support looks like to see what strength looks like man and from myself freddie t chan the entire pivot man uh we are with you guys man and uh praying with y'all for sure hold up limitless take a stomach cap pin in it i father here to witness it got my people feeling militant way up in the get me up uh, on the mission get me up uh, knowing me i got the key uh, on the vision i can trust uh, trust uh, limitless take a stomach cap pin in it I find the head to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up.